Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Alina Marilis Hates about turning chaos into calm and addressing workplace inclusion efforts. Alina Marilis Heights, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm An excited. Honor. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time uh, amidst all of this craziness. I know everyone's very busy, uh, but it's a pleasure to have the, the chance to meet and really just chat with you in the pre-interview uh, to, to discuss you know, things and, and get ready. And uh, you have a great, interesting background. I, I'm excited to have um, some interesting discussion. Uh, with you today. As we get started, uh, I just want to share a little bit of a background uh, of Alina with the listeners. Alina Marilis Heights is an experienced inclusive leader, author, and keynote speaker with demonstrated history of working in higher education, leadership development, digital communication strategy, and strong um, corporate training background. She has a mind she is has a mindful leadership style with a passion to disrupt the status quo in our current <laughs> world. And I share that passion. Um, that sometimes can get us into a little bit of trouble, can't it? But uh, I think it's good to be a disruptor and to challenge thinking, particularly when it comes to bias and prejudice and, and broken systems and things like that that need to be addressed. So I really appreciate that. Uh, and you know, you have with 15 plus years in the higher ed space and a variety of different roles and now in the consulting space and doing implicit bias, anti-racism, anti-harassment, mindfulness, leadership types of work, um, you're, you're doing a lot of really great, um, meaningful work that's going to help a lot of people. So I think that's really, really cool. Um, it looks like you were born and raised in New York, and uh, I know you're going to talk and share with the listeners a little bit about um, your own disability that you're dealing with and how that relates to the current um, COVID um, context and kind of the broader mental health issues surrounding that. Uh, so I look forward to that also. Um, before we really dive on in uh, today for our discussion, anything else you would like to add by way of background for the listeners? Sure, sure. I always uh, get a little laugh. I my mother is Puerto Rican, but she is from Manhattan. My father is from, uh, my father was born and raised on Long Island, where, where I currently live. So just to paint the picture, he came from a Hasidic Jewish family. Um, he wasn't Hasidic, he was modern. So my father is a Long Islander. I just like to add a little comedy to that. So um, <laughs> just a little, I was raised Catholic. So I am 
according to government standards, a minority woman with a disability. So I uh, just wanted to paint that picture so that your audience knows who's speaking. I do look Greek, and some people think, because I'm from Long Island, that I am Italian, <laughs> which I am not. And I'm working on being, you know, speaking Spanish fluently so I can, you know, join the human race of the globe <laughs> and not just be so American and only speak English. So I'm working on, on Spanish. So that's a little background stuff because I know your audience, um, your followers don't really know what I look like or who I am. And I am a puzzle piece. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. And yeah, that really is a uniquely American thing, isn't it? That we're like so insular and like we just speak English. I mean, people do, there are people that speak other languages, but when you go around the world, pretty much every other place around the world, people speak multiple languages. <laughs> and the funny thing is America really doesn't have a universal language because we're founded by immigrants. So technically, you know, I mean, yes, most of us or a lot of us speak English. But there really is no, it's not like you go to, you know, a certain country and you know their universal language Spanish. We actually technically don't have, I mean, unless the government has changed something <laughs> that I don't know about, I, I think we're, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty open here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good. Thank you for that background. Um, and we really do share um, interests and experience, you know, in the higher ed space and consulting and, and work with with uh, inclusion and diversity and, and belonging and related types of topics. So I think it should be a lot of fun. And today I, I think we'll be framing our discussion around turning chaos into calm. So amidst this, this global pandemic um, on the one hand, but then on the other hand, we have this um, racial, tumultuous racial social context with the Black Lives Matters movement and George Floyd moment. And we just, you know, in June we had the, um, uh, Pride Month. And I mean, it's, it's an election year, uh, you know, so there's lots of tension, lots of concern, lots of anxiety, lots of stress. Um, it's a tumultuous time. Um, and so I, I look forward to picking your brain about like what, can, what sense can we make out of all of this? And there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And how can we as individuals and how can we as organizational leaders put our best foot forward um, to make this as manageable as possible and, and to, to make sure that our people are given a, an opportunity to thrive and succeed. And I think it's really important, the word that you said is an opportunity to thrive and to succeed. You know, a lot of us, because we're human beings, we have been through our own, let's say, personal pandemics. So, I mean, regardless of where you come from or what you've experienced in life, no matter what, we all have had struggles. And I think that this global pandemic has actually, in some ways, served us because we're all in the same boat. Um, it doesn't have to be the Titanic. You know, we can embrace this opportunity to slow down and perhaps meditate or be more calm or talk to that person that you just haven't spoken to in a while because it's it, we're all experiencing this shift and regardless if it's career, work, life balance, we are all in it together, the whole world, the whole world. I, you know, I'm on the East Coast. It's not like it's an East Coast thing, right? You know, you know this is not a, a, a UK thing. This is a world issue. Everybody is dealing with this differently. And I never consider, you know, I had you had mentioned and I had mentioned that I have a disability and one, my disability is something that I have been 
self-stigmatizing for a long time. So just a little background, uh, two days before 9-11, I am from New York. I was at Penn State University studying advertising and I started having like a little bit of like panic, anxiety, racing thoughts. They really weren't sure what was going on. And my father came all the way from New York, you know, Jewish, good father, you know, I was definitely a disruptor at 21. He came and picked me up and he said, this is something's not right. I was hospitalized and I was diagnosed at the time they were calling it manic um, depression. And it was really a newer term. I mean, if you speak to a kid now that's 21, everybody knows what bipolar is. So when I speak about bipolar, I'm coming from a place that I've been living through bipolar disorder. I don't identify myself as bipolar or I have, like, I live with bipolar every day. So I have had my own personal pandemics, being hospitalized, having situations, and it is a diversity situation. I'm not just a minority woman. I am actually in a protected class of the ADA. You know, ADA protects me because I have a disability and it is a severe disability. And I find it more of a brain health situation. So when I think about the pandemic and I think about people having anxiety, check. I think about people having depression, check. I think about people having racing thoughts because they can't focus, ADHD thoughts, check. So mental health a lot of times is something that people like to overlook and i'm sure you as a professional educator i you know you have some you have a very fine understanding of you know a lot of people have quote unquote breakdowns it's really more of a let's slow it down let's get perspective and i i do believe that's what this pandemic is doing it's forcing us mother nature has forced us science has forced us to slow down yeah, and hopefully we can <clears throat> we can approach it, you know, with a half glass full. You know, let's let's make these um, obstacles into stepping stones. You know, all the cliche metaphors. Let's let's uh, take that approach to dealing with these challenges. And I don't say that to to diminish. You know, I, I'm not trying to downplay the the challenge and and the stress and the anxiety and everything that's associated with what people are going through, um, but we do have a chance to choose how we respond to the challenges, Absolutely. and and hopefully we can take them take this as an opportunity to to quiet our mind, um, do some self reflection, um, and consider where we've been, where we're going, and perhaps if there's you know changes that should be made. So that we can be in a healthier place um, to to find success in our own lives. It's really interesting. I was having, um, I think a lot of people are having trouble with anxiety, especially, you know, those who are not used to being home all the time and raising children, teaching children during the school year. Multiple responsibilities, lots of stress. If you're used to a cleaning lady, you're not going to have a cleaning lady right during COVID. At least I didn't. So. I'm just giving examples of like life has really altered and it is about choice, but at the same time, it's about just taking it one, really one day at a time, because we really don't even know what's happening with the school system. And, you know, for us in East, in, um, in Eastern, Eastern part of the country. So it's really staying in the moment. And I'm not a big, like, let's namaste stay at work because I think that a lot of people get turned off where let's take a spiritual approach and let's be, I'm all about spirituality and I enjoy metaphysics and I'm a Catholic and I am not a Catholic some days. And so this is not about, to me, religion. 
mindfulness is about functionality. And even right before, you know, I said this at another podcast, before I go into a meeting and I'm stressed out because I just got a call from my school, my son's school, it's about take a deep breath and let me hear you. Let me actively listen to what you're saying. And I do think that that will serve our future generations in the workplace. And it will help us all as a community. You're an educator. I'm sure you see the, the children, the students that grew up with the cell phone. I mean, they're addicted. They cannot enter the elevator without checking their TikTok. And I don't blame them. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing as we talk about generational differences, as we think about um, the different contexts people find themselves in. You know, I'm in a state that hasn't taken the the uh, coronavirus as seriously uh, as, say, back in New York, and so things have stayed fairly open, and we continue to spike, um, and you know, we have a good number of kind of COVID deniers that are around here, people, anti-maskers, people who refuse to, to wear masks, um, all while we're trying to like keep people safe and you know open the economy, but also the schools and, and do that in a healthy way, right? It's, it's, a, it's just a challenge and, and some people are by themselves, other people are in family groups, you know, to keep each other company, lots of self-isolation, um, you know, it's just, Every everyone's situation is a little bit different, and so I think we all need to be um, patient with ourselves and making sure that we focus on self care and recognizing, you know, that this is unprecedented times, um, and we can, you know, take it like you said, take it one day at a time as we try to figure out how to best move forward. Um, as we think about or go ahead. It looked like you had something you wanted to say. I, I 100% agree with that. And everyone has a different way of coping. My way of coping is definitely, you know, before this interview, I just popped on a, a quick meditation. I, you know, I think that the tools we have that weren't working for us, okay, let's adjust and let's, let's find what does work. And sometimes it's just simply taking a deep breath and slowing down our tone and our voice. And a meeting. So, and, and the positivity, yes, but also meeting ourselves where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. Some people are not going to be able to calm themselves down if they are so up here and they're not. So I think it's all about also about like acceptance mm -hmm. and knowing that, okay, this is where I live. Maybe these people are not taking the precautions that I would take, but that doesn't mean that I have to follow their suit. You know, I always say this to clients of mine, and it sounds really dark, and it's a truth. You come into this world alone, and you do leave alone. We have to take care of ourselves. To me, it goes like higher power, higher authority, God, Buddha, whatever you want to call it. Then it goes you, and then it goes everybody else, family, children, relationships. So if we can, if, in my opinion, if we can really take, it's about self-care. A lot of this is self preservation, self-care. If we're putting work above our own self-care, we are going to tumble in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
let's shift gears a little bit. It's related sure. um, because of the broader <laughs> context of, of kind of the racial um, angst and the protests and the, the Black Lives Matters movement. But you do a lot of work with implicit bias, training, um, diversity and inclusion, harassment, um, prejudice, those sorts of topics. Um, I'm wondering, like, what is your go-to approach when working with organizations that are interested in trying to tackle these issues? They want to know how to better, you know, a leader brings you in because they want to know how to do this better. They want to know how to support their people better. Um, but, you know, the, the natural response from a lot of people who, you know, particularly those who are maybe like me, a, a middle-aged white guy, you know, I'm not a minority. I, I have a lot of privilege. And a lot of times, you know, people aren't particularly comfortable acknowledging their privilege. They're not comfortable um, and, and their defenses go up if, if people start to talk about privilege or they start to talk about bias or, or prejudice or those sorts of things. They say, I'm not racist, so this doesn't apply to me. Um, how do you go in and break down those barriers and help leaders and the average employee start to make positive steps towards inclusive mindset and working more effectively with a diverse um, workforce. So as you said in the beginning, which is funny because I, I never love the word, but I, I'll take it. You said um, I'm a disruptor, which is 100% true. I don't put it on my LinkedIn profile because I'm afraid. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not totally sure if I want to be labeled as a, anything at all. I actually hate labels. So that's what I do with organizations. My job is to break barriers. If that means disrupting, then that means disrupting. So when I go into an organization, I do my research and I say, like, I want the EEO. I want the, I want the numbers. Give me the diversity numbers. Give me, I'm going to stand up for this. Give me the breakdown. Who is there? Where are they from? What is the demo? What's happening? What's the situation? And I would do an assessment, almost like a needs assessment, like a nice little one, two, three questionnaire. What's happening here? Why are you bringing me in? Is it anti-harassment? Then let's address it. It all, all, always, always comes down to core values. Always comes down to core values. The core, the thing is, see, I grew up with a mother who spoke Spanish in her household and a Jewish father who knows how to say Ike when we went to Spain. Okay. So I was blessed. I actually grew up with what the privileges of people thinking I was white. I grew up in a very, a neighborhood that was basically Jewish. Italian and a bunch of other things, maybe as a token white person here and there. I mean, a token black person here and there. What I learned, and especially in 2020, I worked for Walt Disney World as a performer because I'm a performer at heart. And what I learned there was, is that we all have, and I learned this through my parents, my upbringing, and you know, work playing in sports, is that we all are the same. We just, you know, whoever created us made us the way we are for a reason. And how I take that and transition that into a meeting with a, with a bunch of, let's say, quote unquote, white privileged men, because, you know, we are in a patriarch society and that has nothing to do with men, has everything to do with society. Don't make me go there. <laughs> okay. It's not a feminist issue, anti-harassment or me too. It's a societal issue. Okay. So. What I say is, do you go to the bathroom? Yes. Do you drink water? Yes. Do you pee? Okay, so we all have something in common. When I go to Spain, you and I have something in common, right? Even though I'm a Puerto Rican, you raised Catholic, and blah, 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 my story, my narrative, my narrative. We're both American. Well, I'm assuming that you were born in America. 
wait a minute. So when you, America has an issue <laughs> because we're the youngest country, this one of the strongest countries, if, depending on who you ask, we're based on immigration. So the anti whatever is really a core value of civility, is a really core value of humanity. It's less about you being black, less about you being a man, less about you being this, more about being kind. Choose kindness. I worked with an organization called kindness.org. It's, look, I believe that there's institutional issues across the board, 100%. But remember, how were we founded as a, as a country? They were disruptors, hello. Don't tell me George Washington wasn't a disruptor. Yeah, so absolutely. I wanna, absolutely. I, I, I wanna tell you something funny and this is gonna shed some light. I have a five-year-old son, he has blue eyes and blonde hair. His name is, I won't say his name, okay, but blue eyes, he's five years old, very bright little boy. Um, my, our, my husband is from Pennsylvania and we're very different. He's blue eyes, but we're, we, we make it work, right? So I said to him, I showed him a picture of Martin Luther King. He's on the cover. And I said, who is this? And you know what he said to me? George Washington. <laughs> he knew I was a leader. He just didn't know which one. Because that is something that is nurtured. It's not like you are born racist <laughs> or implicitly biased. It's what you learn in childhood and in your community and what you're used to. When I went to school in the middle of Pennsylvania, they started calling me a Yankee. I'm like, a Yankee? They're like, you are so New York. I'm like, really? Of course I am. I'm from Long Island. Joey Buttafuoco was from Massapequa. I mean, like, remember that? So, of course, label me, label me all you want. It doesn't matter. I'm still a human being. I still go to the park. And that's an issue that people always have had with me is that they're like, they don't get me. They're like, what is that about? So when I go to a meeting and I go to an office and they would like me to talk, I come in there, I wear my suit, and I talk, and they all have a judgment and a list of things of who I am from my, my the assumptions they make of Alina Marilis Heights. What, what is that last name? Is she from New York? Does she think she knows everything? Is she... And then all of a sudden, I could, because, you know, then we, we get real. And that's what I do with organizations. I keep it positive. I get real. And I meet the organization where they're at. I'm going to act differently if I go into an organization, let's say Starbucks, big on social responsibility, versus maybe a more conservative organization. Okay, and then we have to think about generations. If I'm talking to traditionalists or baby boomers, or am I talking to iGen? And they have, a, you know, they have a different attention span than let's say my parents. So we have to know, I study marketing. We have to know who we're talking to. So there's a lot that goes into it and it's a lot of psychology. Yeah, yeah, so interesting. And it, it is challenging, it's challenging work, um, but we can make a difference. We can start to, um, disrupt the broken systems and replace them with better functioning systems. We can, we can start to disrupt our unproductive thought patterns and replace them with more productive thought patterns, but we have to do it intentionally. We have to be mindful. Uh, we have to be willing to accept, you know, none of us are perfect. We, but so we, we all, you know, we can give each other benefit of the doubt in terms of our intentions, but ultimately it's not our intentions that matter. It's, it's what we do say, and how we impact others. And so we, we can make positive, you know, baby steps forward to make improvement if we're just willing to 
message that we, you know, maybe we have some blind spots and, and we have something to work on. Well, I mean, go ahead. I just want to say, you just, you don't know what you don't know. And I appreciate what you just said. I really do. You just don't know what you don't know. And being open and willing is huge. Yeah. Well, we are about out of time. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Before we go, I want to make sure you have a chance to share with the listeners how they can find out more about you, get connected, find more about your consulting work if they're interested in connecting to, to have you come and do um, some inclusion um, types of work with their organization. Sure, thank you. I can be found at Alina, A-L-I-N-A-R Heights, H-A-I-T-Z.com. I, that website's focused on coaching busy, busy women professionals, women that are busy. However, I do lots of trainings. I'm working to continue doing that virtually. So I'm always open to opportunities that I really look forward to speaking to anyone that has a question for me about anything we discussed today. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I encourage uh, my listeners to reach out to Alina. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. And I hope everyone stays healthy and safe and have a wonderful week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.